Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, and fishing needs, go to eastport.info. Now let's get this show started. Welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast. I am your host, Sean Lavery, and I'd like to thank you guys for tuning in tonight. Um, we're back to our kind of regularly scheduled events uh, after kind of a couple of weeks of um, either uh, other people filling in for me, um, and then I missed a week, and then um, I did a recap of my Hobie uh, BOS uh, tournament uh, for last week's show. So we're kind of back to our regular, normally scheduled show with guests and stuff. Um, before I bring on tonight's guest, um, uh, I want to do a quick shout out to Cheryl Bentley, who uh, won the uh, Best Fishing for Noobs uh, uh, Paddle and Fin Noobs Tournament for July. Congrats. She had 88 and a half inches. Actually, it was a tie for first place, it looks like, but um, she had the bigger fish, so she gets first place over Chase Barnes, who also had 88 and a half inches. And um, Michael Graham took third place with 88 inches uh, even so congrats to you three uh definitely a good showing i uh tuck my tail and uh bow in shame to you guys because i didn't even put a fish on the board in july now that didn't mean i didn't catch any fish uh, i just uh never had my noobs identifier uh with me uh for the fish that i did catch um but uh i did make up for it i'm already on the board for the august tournament so you guys get out there and um get out get on the water and uh I'm going to do my best to put up a respectable month for August. So um, thanks again for everybody who's uh, joining in on those and for everybody's uh, tuning into the uh, Facebook group for that uh, noobs tournament as well, because uh, there's lots of great conversations out there. All right, guys. Well, uh, enough of the uh, kind of uh, getting caught up on the noob stuff. I'd like to bring in tonight's special guest, Jake Harshman. Welcome back to the noob show, Jake. Hey, how are you doing, man? Good. So how are you? Um, not too bad. Uh, you know, had a, had a successful weekend and I kind of expected to see a big check behind you, you know, sitting somewhere. Yeah. My, my wife told me I got to stop putting them up here because the (laughs) dogs start chewing on them. So, uh, yeah, gotcha. Well, uh, for the folks who don't know, Jake had a really good showing at the uh, Hobie BOS here on the Susquehanna, uh, the same, uh, tournament that I kind of floundered in. He actually did really good in, um, Took third place, correct? Yep. And uh, third place out of 200 of the best anglers, well, and me, so 199, we'll say. <laughs> we, <laughs> but, we actually, uh, at the at the end of the weekend, we actually only had 192 per, uh, participants. I remember seeing that, that the last, uh, that, yeah, when I checked the numbers. So, yeah, give or take, uh, you know, a few people. And still, uh, 
still good. Like, still, still good yeah, numbers. yeah, tons of hammers too. Like all the big names, uh, most of the big names. But um, so uh, first of all, congrats! I know you did a ton of work, uh, put in a lot of work to uh, for that. Um, you know, you definitely did your homework and, and uh, you know scouted out. You've been doing that for months. You know, so. Um, that's definitely, uh, well-earned. Like I said, um, I remember posting that to you cause, um, you worked harder than anybody that I know. So, um, definitely well-earned, but, uh, I wanted to try and pick your brain a little bit, uh, more for my own selfishness, uh, you know, but I figured it'll help our guests or our, our listeners too, uh, who might be interested in, in what worked for you. And, um, cause I know what didn't work for me. And I, I, I tried to fish my strengths because, um, I didn't do anywhere near the homework that you did. Um, I ended up with uh, COVID the two weeks before the tournament. So I didn't get to pre-fish hardly at all. Um, so I just went with what I know works here down in the Southern end of the Susquehanna. And uh, <laughs> it did not work up there to say the least. So oh, sorry about the yunk. I got to apologize in advance. My, I took my wife out for her birthday tonight. And we had Olive Garden, and I'm pretty sure they put melatonin and, <laughs> and, and possibly even some THC in our food. Um, it was, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm not yawning at you if I yawn. No problem. Well, wish her a happy birthday from us, and I thank you for taking the time on her birthday to come on with us. So I appreciate that. Well, I, I don't think she minds. She's probably going to be, you'll probably hear her snoring here soon. <laughs> So. Well, if it, um, if it makes you feel any better, I was supposed to meet uh, with Brian Schiller, who's the head of Paddle and Finn, right before uh, I got on with you. And he messaged me probably about a half an hour before that and said, hey, uh, my wife wants to go out. So I'm going to go out with her. I'll talk to you afterwards. I'm like, all right, man. That so <laughs> sounds like everybody's uh, taking a night with the wife. So um, but anyway, uh, so um, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about was what the water that you fished, was it fast moving? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. And, and that's what, that's what, um, uh, kind of most of the water that I fished, uh, was too, until I got down to city Island, which that was more like a pool, which was nice. Cause I, I liked it. Cause I could paddle really easy. I could pedal, which I didn't get to do much of right. in the fast moving stuff. I was going to ask you too, uh, were you fishing out of the eye track? I think I was, um, I fished out of the eye trek all all weekend up until about 1.30 p.m. on Sunday. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I, I was curious way. how that – oh, you put a whole – I knew that you had uh, – did you – I was going to ask you about that too. Um, I saw you posted about um, dropping a fish on it and it punctured through the, the deck matting. So that's happened uh, out of the handful of times that I've had it out. I would say about 75% of the time I've put holes in it. Um, small fish fin holes. Okay. The hole, the hole that I put in it Sunday afternoon was a. It was it was a black widow. Oh man! I was <laughs> I was actually I couldn't even make it back to my launch, and I was floating down river looking like a taco. So <laughs> you know, kayak was kind of folding up, and I was. Just oh man! There was a lady standing on the bank where I took out at, and she's like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "I think so." <laughs> <laughs> So well, interesting. I mean, I, and I, and I was actually pretty much set that that was going to be my next kayak. Um, and then I saw, you know, that you were able to puncture it just with the fish fins. And I'm like, that's probably not, you know, oh, I mean, we, we, you want to talk about that quick? Cause a little bit. Yeah, sure. Cause I, I'm, I'm still curious. I'm, I, I want you to uh, talk me back into wanting to get it. Cause so, so I'm going to give you all of the positives of it first. Okay. And then I'm going to talk about the negatives because I don't want to be overly negative about the platform because it's, it's still a really amazing platform. It just needs Hobie needs to do something with it to make it a fishing platform. Um, in terms of it being a recreational platform, it's amazing. It, that little boat is so cool. It's so fast. It drafts like this much water. Um, you know, it's, it's just a really awesome, stable, fast little platform that has a lot of upside. You know, when you can, when you are only drafting that much water and you can pedal in that much water because you, you know, you do the flutter kick thing, mm -hmm. it really gives you a, an edge over 
most everybody else fishing around you right now, because our river is so low right now, right. It, it gives you a huge advantage. Um, you know, it's, it's lightweight. You can, you can literally take it and go wherever. I'll be honest with you. Uh, both days I did some creative access points. They were legal, <laughs> but they were creative. They were someplace that nobody else was going to go to unless they had that kind of boat. And, and I think that's, you know, that's one of the things that helped me have success is that I was able to get away from everybody. I didn't have anybody fishing in my area until Sunday. And, and whenever they saw me, like, I guess they recognized who I was and they left the area. So, you know, thankful for them. They didn't have to do that, but they did. But, you know, having that ability to have a throw and go boat like that to get real creative and use some real sketchy access points, um, places that you probably wouldn't want to take a big pro angler or <laughs> any other kind of heavy boat. Well, I'll um, tell you uh, where, where I took out of on um on saturday after or evening or afternoon was a sketchy takeout and i had my outback and i barely drug it up the bank where i got out um, I, I had to i had I to make like five it. trips because i emptied it out and then yeah. i i carried everything up to the top of the hill and then i drug my kayak up and i didn't know i was going to make it because it i was... would be willing to bet that you took out where i put in at with jeff little today because we went out filming Okay. Um, if I had to guess, just based on what you've told me already, I think I I think I put in <laughs> where you took out at. Gotcha. Um, and it is. It's a little sketchy. Uh, there's only a li limited amount of parking. You kind of got to go under a troll bridge to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's it's yeah, but you know, having having a boat like like the iTrek makes it incredibly easy to do. So now let's talk about the negative aspects of it, right? Okay. Yep. So for $2,800, $2,900, I think is the retail. It doesn't come with a 180 drive. It only comes with the GT drive. Uh, that was another thing that really shocked me. And I, and I didn't realize it at first until I heard you mention it in your video. And I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. So like you're paying a premium price for a boat. And you're not even getting like the most up-to-date technology. So there's that aspect of it. Um, when now that that kind of doesn't that one did that point didn't bother me as much because I think my Mirage drive will fit in there. Yeah, so. if you have an Outback 180 drive with kick-up fins, um, it will fit all the whole all the Hobie drives will fit except for the 360. Right. 360 so that one didn't bother me as much because I knew I had a workaround, but it still kind of bummed me out that you know. That I paid less than that for my Outback, and I was yeah. like, you know, and it's not. Me too. <laughs> it bumped me out too whenever I got it and realized it was only a GT drive. Um, so there's there's that aspect of it, but so here's what Hobie did. When when you look at the i11s, which was the previous model of this boat, and you compare it to the iTrek 11, they decreased the weight like 20 pounds overall. Okay. Um, which is really great in theory, right? Okay, mm -hmm. you made it lighter, you made it easier to use, like access and, you know, even maneuverability. But where they decreased that weight is where I have a huge problem. Um, <clears throat> they de they well, they made, let's talk about what they did better. They, they made the seat a whole heck of a lot better. They're using the same seat that comes on the links, same rudder that comes on the links. Um, it's, you know, that rudder and seat was a huge upgrade compared to the I-11S. Right. Um, but they decreased weight in the, the amount of fabric, or not fabric, but material that they used in the hull. The I-11S was a 1,000 denier thickness, mm -hmm. and the iTrek 11 is a 500 denier thickness. Wow. They also decreased the thickness of the deck mat material. Um, they made the deck mat more comfortable, but they decreased the thickness of it, which I, I, I they, they made it a, they turned it from what was an, uh, an amazing fishing platform to a truly recreational platform. I would not recommend this boat 
for somebody who intends to fish out of it, especially if they intend to fish out of a shot, like in a shallow Rocky river environment, like we have, because the way I put a hole in my boat on Sunday afternoon was I literally ran up onto a rock, something that I would have done with a rotor motor boat, something that I would have done with, you know, any other inflatable that was a 1000 denier and it wouldn't have been an issue. This, this rock was not like it didn't have, you know, like glass on it or there wasn't metal sticking up or anything like that. It was just a rock. And I, I wedged up on it because I was in fast current. I wedged up on it to kind of, you know, sit myself still. And whenever I came back off of it, I noticed that there was like, I was hearing like a fizz. And, oh, and I, I kinda, like I, I knew that, okay, well, you know, I'm sure that I had a fish that, you know, probably put a whole, another hole in the deck and I'm looking all around on the deck and I can't see the hole or can't see where the fizz is coming from. So I just put it out of my mind and I'm like, well, you know, maybe it's on one of the side pontoons, right? Maybe that last fish that jumped towards the kayak had poked a hole in the side pontoon. That's not out of the realm of possibility. Right. But then I started to feel a little squishy. Like I was a little <laughs> squishy in my seat. That's now, not a good feeling. This isn't good. So then I, I, I reached down and I poked one finger down on the deck of the boat and I, I was able to make an indent in it. Oh. And I'm like, okay, I'm losing air in the main chamber. Like there's, there's a hole in the main chamber somewhere that is significant because – I'm losing air at a much, you know, faster rate than I than I had off of any fish fin poke hole, you know. Gotcha. Um, so that's you know that's whenever I I looked at it and I'm like, gosh, I'm sitting at 185 inches I, at that point in time. I think I was in second place. I'm like, how far do I push this? Right. Right. You know, what do I do? how far do I push this to try to make 10 grand? Right. No, for sure. That's, I, I can't even imagine having to make those kind of decisions. That's <laughs> well, I can tell you that the decision was incredibly difficult. Um, but so I, uh, I, I literally sat there and I thought for a minute and I'm like, you know what? Ten ten thousand $10,000 is not worth my life. I was in an area that had deeper water that was very fast and there was a lot of rock structure and, you know, I had all my gear of course. And it's like, you know what? It's just not intelligent to, to stay out here. So I knew that I wasn't going to be able to make it back to where I launched at. Even if I did make it back to where I launched at, I wasn't going to be able to get my boat up because the, at the rate that I was losing air, my wheels wouldn't have done me any good because the wheels would have just rubbed on the bottom of the kayak. And I would have had to, I would have had to have made like eight or nine trips back and forth, which just didn't make any sense. And, um, so I, I called plus I had, I would have had to cross a really deep channel to get, to get to where I launched that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to chance that in fast water because the other thing that was happening is that as I lost air, I lost maneuverability. The current basically had its way with me, you know, whenever I, when I started kind of sinking down into the middle of the boat right. and I was like, you know what, this is a safety issue. It's a safety concern. So I called the tournament director. I said, Hey Cody, um, I got to get off the water. I, I, I punctured my boat. Um, I'm losing air at a very fast rate. Uh, the, the, the closest launch to me, is 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 not a public access um but i need to i need i need to know like can i get off the water at this access point due to safety and he said yeah absolutely it's a it's a safety issue he's like do you need me to send somebody for you and i was like you're not gonna be able to get anybody to me like where i'm at you're not gonna be able to get a jet boat there's there's no one's gonna be able to get to me where i'm at so um, I, I actually, you know, floated down and I got off the water. And then whenever I got off the water, I learned that this is not a private access point anymore. I learned that the municipality that, that it was in actually was, 
this was bought and now turned into parks and rec for the municipality. So wow, okay, well that's I, good to know. I learned, I learned a new access point. Um, there you go. But yeah, so that that sounds like a really. So it almost sounds like your decision was made for you, really. I mean, you couldn't really continue. I mean, I, I could have stayed out there and waited. <laughs> True. I, I could have waited, and then I could have swam my boat back across the channel. Um, but, you know, what's the chance? Like, what happens if I go to swim my boat across the channel, and, and, I, and it starts pulling me down? You know, then, then I, I don't want to drown because I'm tethered to it. Right. You know, so... There was a lot of factors that came into play and, 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 you know, I had to, I had to make a decision like is, is, is third place good enough? Is second place good enough? Like, am I going to drop to fourth or fifth? Like, is there somebody that hasn't uploaded fish? You know, so I had to make a lot of decisions and, and, or think about a lot of things making that decision. And, and, you know, I, I, I feel like I made the right choice, but the reality is, is that coming back to the iTrek 11, I would not recommend it to anybody as a fishing platform until Hobie either increases the material mm -hmm. or comes up with some sort of fix to reinforce the material because it's not, it's not designed for what we do out of it. It's just not, you know, if a fish fin can pop holes in, in the deck material, and, you know, you expect to get fish fins in the side pontoons because they crash into the boat. You know, that's where you're landing them. Some, you know, you can't control what they do. So right. you kind of expect that. But the deck and the underside of it. Right. You shouldn't you shouldn't have to deal with that. You know. Right. Um, that's an area that they should have maybe not skimped on material. No, yeah. that makes sense for sure. I mean, it it. And I was wondering, how do you even patch it if it's under the deck matting? Like, so <laughs> yeah, well, if it's under the deck matting, what I did whenever I punctured it on Monday before the tournament, um, I actually deflated it. I put some marine goop over top of where it was punctured, and then I let that set. And then after that set, I put some some gray um, like flex seal spray over top of it so it matched the deck. Gotcha. Um, and, and that worked, that held. Um, but the true permanent repair for it is you peel the deck matting off and you fix the puncture underneath. And then you have to put the deck matting either back on or you put new deck matting on. Right. And, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a little bit more than just, you know, what I can do in my garage. Right. Um, but you know it's it's going to be uh if i end up keeping this boat and and i if i don't sell this boat to someone who wants to use it for just recreational purposes um if i end up keeping it i'm going to have trey leach from innovative sportsman do a lot of upgrades to it to make it a a more trustworthy platform for me well in comparison, do you know what what their uh what their inflatable is, what their mill is on their inflatable? So Trey's is gonna be a one thousand and he also reinforced the side pontoons where you land fish mm -hmm. and he also reinforced the areas where you would reasonably expect to skid on the front and rear of the boat. Okay. Um, I was actually out in Trey's boat today, um, out on the river with Jeff Little. We were doing some filming. And I did more to Trey's boat today than I would have ever even considered doing to that iTrek 11. And mm -hmm. I didn't have a single issue. Okay. And whenever I say more, like we went through the Dolphin Narrows on the west side of the statue today, Jeff and I did. That's actually uh, kind of where I was uh, <laughs> on so, uh, Saturday afternoon. So I know right where you're talking about. Yeah, we, we did some like we went out and I don't know. Can I curse on this platform? Nah, in relatively, uh, you know, as long as you're not dropping like f bombs like crazy. But no, yeah. no, no. So I sung a song to Jeff whenever I got out of the truck in the morning. I said, "We're gonna do some sketchy shit, dude." And we and did. you did. <laughs> we did. Yeah, we were flipping boats and we were, you know, doing that kind of stuff on purpose and you know, doing a little a little scuba diving and a little bit. Oh, wow. <laughs> we did a little bit of everything today. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you know, Trey's boat is 
it's a fishing platform. It's designed to be, and it's mm-hmm. designed for this river. So it's going to be a lot better of an option, but it's going to be a paddle boat unless you buy a motor for it. Right. So, right. No. So, okay. Well, um, I mean, I was, I was, uh, when I first saw the links, I was like, Oh, that's going to be my next boat. And then I saw what rocks did to that. I'm like, okay, that's not going to work. Yeah. And, and uh, then I saw the iTrek 11. I'm like, okay, that's going to be my next boat. And now uh, I don't think that would be my next boat. Honestly, so, man, I think the Outback is probably like the best <laughs> all-around boat that there is. And that's why, I mean, it's it's done me. It hasn't done me wrong so far. It, everything I've thrown at it, it, it's handled for the most part. Now, I did struggle on, on Saturday with it uh, in in some of the current. And the like. like I said, I ended up... I haven't paddled that much for years. Like I have had the Outback for, uh, I think three years now. And, um, I had a Jackson Cusa before that, uh, a Cusa HD and uh, I haven't paddled as much as I did on Saturday for three years, probably because you probably would have been better off with the Cusa. To be no, I, I wish I still had it cause that would have <laughs> been a pretty good option. But, uh, Unfortunately, my wife uh, uh, made me trade it when I got the Hobie because I understand uh, that. But um, um, and that's why I was kind of looking at the Sholey too a little bit. Um, but so, uh, man, I got to talk to you about that because I was in it today. Um, that okay. was the other boat that we had out. So I started out in Jeff's boat today in the I tra- or, I'm sorry in the in uh, Innovative Sportsman boat, and it was you know it's it belongs to Jeff, um, but. So I started out in that and and did a lot of stuff with it and we did some motoring around and all that. But then what we wanted to do was we wanted to teach a rock brooch on how to correctly do a rock brooch because, you know, Josh Evans hit a rock on Saturday and flipped his kayak and lost like $2,000 worth of gear. So the intent there was to teach the proper way to do it, right? Right. Um, so we use, you can't use the inflatable for that because the inflatable doesn't do the same thing as, as a rotomotive boat will do whenever you hit a rock, right? You hit a rock with an inflatable and you bounce off of it, um, or you wedge on it and the rotomotive boat doesn't have that kind of give. So it, it, you know, when you hit it, it, it automatically wants to do something different. So that's what we were doing with the Sholey today. And <clears throat> I have never done an attainment like that Sholey did today. I mean, I was paddling up a class two rapid and I don't want to say I did it with ease, but it was easy. Hmm. So that boat is, is specifically designed for that kite, that type of environment. And, and man, like I was so impressed with that little boat today for, for a river paddling boat, like I was so impressed with it today because legit, like I was literally paddling up a class two rapid to, to redo this over and over. Cause what we, what we were doing was shooting down through a chute and then basically turning the boat sideways on purpose, <clears throat> excuse me, turning the boat sideways on purpose in order to hit this rock to recreate what Josh had experienced on Saturday and we did it over and over and over and over. And, you know, I don't know if you know, but for your listeners, when you hit a rock sideways, then you lean into reaction, it, right? Yeah. You want to lean into the rock. The natural reaction is you want to lean away from it because you just hit something. Mm-hmm. The natural reaction is like, oh, God, I'm going to lean away. If you lean away, your boat is going to tilt up like this and the water that's the water that's hitting it is going to cause it to fill up with water and then you are going to flip. There's no, if you lean away from the rock, you are going to flip. So that's what we were teaching was that lean into the rock aspect. And what it was, you know, you come down through the chute and then Jeff Jeff teaches, he, t- he taught paddling for years. Mm-hmm. He tells the student to look away from the rock. That way you don't know when you're going to hit it. That way you're kind of surprised. Like, you know, you're going to hit it, but you're surprised when you hit it. Right. And then, you know, that's what we kept doing today. That surely performed well, very well. So anybody looking for a river paddling boat, that's the deal. Cool. But, 
All right. Well, that at least gives me an option to check out. I'm still hoping for something paddle or pedalable, but we'll see what we'll see what what's on the horizons. Uh, um, you know, for sure. All right. Well, um, getting back to um, so strategies for fishing this fast moving water. What um, I, I I talked to you a little bit before we uh, got on is uh, like. Uh, most of my fish came from dragging a big TRD uh, on a weight, and I, I just didn't feel very efficient uh, for me as far as the water I was covering. But um, just with how fast I was moving, um, I feel I felt like if I anchored up, then I wasn't covering nearly enough water, um, and I, I kind of hate that kind of fishing. Um, but um, when I wasn't anchored up. I was just drifting so fast that, and having to worry so much about all the rocks and stuff that uh, I was constantly, you know, I'd make a few casts and then um, pick up my paddle again and kind of adjust and then make a few casts. And um, it just didn't feel like I was um, being efficient with my cast. I wasn't being accurate with my cast. So I was curious, you know, you know, what kind of presentations worked for you and then like how you, how you just managed that aspect of it. So what I was doing was different, right? Um, I was fishing faster, faster water, but the water that I was fishing was deeper. Okay. So, you know, I had on average, I had three to six feet of depth. Okay. Um, so, you know, what I was doing, it, it can't really be recreated in the shallow fast water. Okay. Um, the reason why you hear a lot of people talking about the topwater bite kind of falling off after the morning was because those fish in the morning were up in that shallow water. They were up there. They were eating. They were in that fast, shallow water because it's cool, has more oxygen, and, you know, there's a constant conveyor belt of food. Mm-hmm. They were there early in the mornings feeding. But after that sun got high, those fish – they have to get a, they have to go a little bit deeper. They have to find some deep water because if they don't find deep water, they're susceptible to birds. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of birds of prey around you know on this river. There's eagles, there's all kinds, there's hawks, there's those those commodore things like there there's all kinds of birds that will that will attack these fish if they can see them. If they're in shallow fast water and it's clear and it's bright and sunny, they are 100% susceptible to, to, to being caught by a bird, right? And Yeah, and I've seen that happen a lot. Uh, I remember times where I'm struggling fishing and there's an eagle that's just picking them out. I'm like, dude, share the love here a little bit, man. You know? <laughs> right? Yeah, they, the, those eagles are really good. They, you know, they, like, they, can, they can see a fish from a long ways up and then they just dive bomb on them and, and grab them. But, you know, they're, so... So that's why I think that people were still trying to fish that faster water, that shallow, faster water in the morning or past the morning. And they just, you know, they're, they're all oh, my top water bite died off. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's not that your top water bite died off. You just weren't necessarily maybe fishing the right area. Um, because if you look at what Nolan Miner did, he basically fished top water almost all day. What he was doing in the morning was throwing a chopo or a whopper plopper mm-hmm. and getting them out in that more, you know, two, three foot range. But then as the day got this, you know, sun got up and the day got longer and sun was overhead, um, you know, he was he, he switched up to like a very finesse topwater presentation. Mm-hmm. Something that didn't make a lot of noise, something that didn't move a lot. And, you know, he was fishing a bug pattern. Right. So mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of the stuff that they were feeding on, whether it be cicadas or spotted lanternflies or, you know, grasshoppers or blue dragonflies is another one. Mm-hmm. It, it, he started fishing that pattern because that's what they were keying in on and they would come a long ways away from it. Um, I kind of got keyed in on that pattern earlier in the week before the tournament. When my wife and I were up, we went up to Duncannon and, you know, just we started, we walked across the Clark's Ferry Bridge and I was just checking some areas up there. I wanted to go up and see, you know, like which creative access points had changed. Like, okay, did, I, did this creative access point get a log washed up in it? 
you know, did the bank get washed away from last year? Like, you know, I just wanted to see what's, what had changed. And we walked across the bridge and I could see some smallmouth that were like sitting way, way, way up in the water column. Like they were not on the bottom. So they were easy to pick Mm -hmm. out. And I, I said to her, I said, watch this. And I picked up a couple pebbles and I threw it out over the bridge pier and I watched it land. And as soon as that pebble hit the water, those fish were just right on it. Like they were just mm-hmm. looking for it. They came over and they're, you know, doing this number, looking up to see what had landed, which to me told me, okay, they're keying in on bugs. They're looking up. Yeah. If something is landing on the water and breaking the surface of the water, they were coming to it to find out what it was. And, you know, I knew at that point in time, it's like, okay, well, this, you know, this tournament's going to be a finesse topwater deal. It's not going to be a big, a big whopper plopper. You're like, yeah, you'll catch a couple fish on that in the morning. Right. Not going to be the main presentation. Um, knowing that, understanding that the river was going to get a ton of pressure that week, 192 anglers coming to pre-fish, you know, a lot of people out on the river floating through clear, shallow water, making a lot of noise. I knew that it was going to be a very difficult tournament to catch fish if you weren't stealthy. And it's really hard to be stealthy when 20, 30 people are floating through where you're fishing. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I changed my plan of action almost immediately. Um, I, you know, I, I knew that I wasn't going to fish of uh, a, a floated region. I wasn't going to fish an area that was going to get a lot of pressure. I was looking for something that people weren't going to be able to get to. Um, and, you know, I knew that I needed to find faster water because of more oxygen content, but I also knew that I needed to find a little bit deeper water. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I, that's what I that's what I did. That's where I went. That's the type of water that I was fishing. And in that area, I knew that bugs weren't going to be as big of a deal because it was really really fast water. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be able to see it if if a bug lands on the water by the time they get to it or unless you put it right on their head, they're not going to they're not going to be keying in on that. Right. And it was, you know, I also knew that the area where that fish had just held a ton of bait. There was a ton of bait fish. So for me, both Saturday and Sunday, I was on 100% of a shad pattern. I was throwing a spinnerbait and I was throwing, um, I, I barely threw any topwater. I think I caught two keeper fish all weekend on a topwater, um, but I was working my spinnerbait like topwater. My blades were fluttering out of the top of the water, you know. Almost like, like a buzzbait kind of. Very, very similar to a buzzbait, but I think the spinnerbait provides a little bit better hookup ratio than the buzzbait does because where the hook placement's at right compared to where the blades are at um so you know i was fishing the spinnerbait um and then when i when i was switching up to give them a just a different look i was throwing one of those farm sushis uh farm lures is a local bait maker here in harrisburg and he makes a, a real tiny little uh shad imitator that is like four inches long. I think it's a half ounce, but it's designed to be burned. It's a jointed bait. You know, there's mm-hmm. like three joints in it. So whenever it swims, it's, it's like, you know, it's like a little S when it's swimming. It just comes at you in a little S. And <clears throat> that was, that caught me a couple keeper fish. It caught me, uh, there was at least one 19 inch fish that I caught on that bait. But that was my follow up to it, uh, to the spinner bait. The spinner bait was working. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the only time I was coming back through with that farm bait was was literally hitting it like maybe I throw the spinner bait and didn't get bit, so I throw the farm bait. Um, but probably ninety percent of my fish were caught on on that spinner bait, and it was a three eighth ounce. Um, it's made by Battle Baits, I believe they're in Indiana or something like that. But mm-hmm. it has a real light wire, and it was just basically a shad pattern it was a kind of creamish white color with a little bit of blue tint in it that matches our bait fish really good and you know just uh, the other key thing i guess too that i should note is the double willow blades it couldn't be a 
no Colorado blades or anything like that. If you threw Colorado, you weren't going to catch them. I was going to say, that's what I actually threw. I, I caught one fish on a black um, spinnerbait with Colorado blades, and that was the only spinnerbait fish I caught. So yeah, uh, the, the Colorado blades was not the deal. Um, they, they wanted the – so the willow blades – are shaped like a shad, right? Mm -hmm. They're, you know, they literally are shaped like a shad. If I did not throw a willow blade, I would not have gotten bit. I'm confident. I might've caught a couple dumb small ones that were just like, Oh, I'm going to eat that. But I do <laughs> not think that I would have had the, the weekend that I had if I would have been throwing any kind of Colorado blade. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, man, that's what worked for me. I know up North, um, if, if you were throwing anything that looked like a cicada or a dragonfly or, or now what I'm, I'm curious, what matches a dragonfly? Like I, I, I saw so many dragonflies and I remember joking with the guys that I was floating with before, especially when I got anywhere near grass, it seemed like I'd be covered. My whole kayak would be covered in dragonflies. Yeah. So they make it, there's a couple lures. Um, there's a, you, you really kind of have to look in like the, almost in like the fly section you know what i okay. mean yeah um, you know there's there's a few of those out that that are that would work really well but um i know the one that nolan was using was the evergreen gizmo okay um, it's a it's like a one tenth ounce floating jig and it, it literally looks exactly like those dragonflies it's shaped like them okay um, you got something in green or black um, you know, maybe dip the, the tentacles in some blue it would probably help because the, you know, we, the, most of our dragonflies are got a blue tint to them right now. Yep. Um, you know, <clears throat> that, that's, you really kind of have to look, man. It's like in like the specialty bait sections of tackle shops, you know, it's not something that a lot of people use. It's not something that a lot of people throw, but, um, until those dragonflies go away, that's going to be the juice. Right. No, that makes sense. And uh, I was asking that more for because I see that down here, uh, kind of in the York uh, area where I fish a lot, because um, we have a lot of grass right now. And um, I was, uh, you know, kind of just shooing away the dragonflies because they land on anything they can to get out of the water. So, yeah, because if they land on the water, they get ate. Right. <laughs> so, so. Like they, they, the, if a dragonfly lands on your kayak and then another one lands and then another one lands, start throwing something that looks like a dragonfly. Cause I promise you they're landing there. They don't want to come near you. Right. Like you are the safest thing for them because you're not going to eat them. Right. You know, if they land on the water, that's game over for them. They're done. No, no. And then that's exactly when you said that it made me think of that, that I got to find something that mimics that a little bit. Well, um, I know that fishing online is out of the evergreen gizmo. Okay. <laughs> um, I know that uh, at least I think that tackle warehouse is out of them because I bought, uh, I think I bought six or eight of them. Um, and I think I bought what they had in stock. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it, well, well, I'll, I'll be on the lookout for any, anyway. So, uh, and, and, uh, you know, I, I have a couple of local guys that uh, might be able to come up with something for me. That uh, Do you fly fish? Uh, I don't, but I know quite a few people who do. So, I mean, you could do a float and fly. True, true. Um, you know, a float and fly I think would work. Um, but, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's not a pattern that's, that's like super there's not a lot of baits made for it you right. know so yep. you have to really kind of you know you have to really do some searching and, yeah. and honestly a lot of it's going to be trial and error some of it you like you might be going and you know picking up some of like the dumbest sounding stuff like but you know what <laughs> it, it it works so like right you're gonna have to throw it on light tackle and you're gonna have to throw it with light line and Mm -hmm. and understanding that if you're throwing it on light tackle and light line, you need to have light equipment. Like, Well, I was going to I was trying to think of what the, uh, I think I have a Savage Gear uh, Mayfly Nymph that I've had cool. some luck on and it's tiny. It almost looks like a trout bait. Can you but, still see me? 
Yes, I can still see you. Okay, because I'm switching over to Tackle Warehouse right now on the computer. Okay. And we're just going to go look at topwater baits right now. <laughs> um, you know, it's, man, like, I don't know how long that pattern is going to exist. I don't know. Like, when do the dragonflies go away? Do you know that? Well, I, I don't know. And and I was just talking to someone um, this week about, uh, I was talking to, I had a few guys from Tennessee come up and stay at my place. Um, okay. just, and um, I was telling them that um, the mayflies, I, I feel like this has been an off year for mayflies. I saw at one point in time, I saw a bunch of little ones, but I never saw, and I fished the river twice a week all summer long so far, and I never saw a good mayfly hatch. The best thing that I can, well, so I fishing down at City Island a lot because I live close, um, I see a good many mayflies down there, but that's kind of unfair because there's so many lights down there. Right. That they're very attracted to the light. And if you go down like City Island at nighttime, underneath those bridge piers, a couple of them have lights. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and if you look at the lights, like they're covered mm -hmm. in mayflies. Well, and there's definitely times down here where we get the same thing. They, they actually turn the lights off on the 462 bridge because of that. And, yeah. um, but I, like, even with that being said, I still haven't seen those like swarms like I've had. Like last year, um, uh, I had probably two or three different evenings where I threw top water, nothing but top water, and it was just every cast, bam, 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 and huge fish. And I kept, I was telling the guys from Tennessee about that, and I'm like, but this year, um, I caught my first fish on a top water popper on my evening floats last night. Okay. Um, and it just hasn't been the same this year. Um, so for whatever reason, I'm looking right now. And what, one thing that I just kind of came across and, and it, it would probably work is the head, the head and tiny torpedo. Yep. I know exactly what that one is. Yep. Would probably do well. Um, there's a, there's a couple, I think, I think they're made by mega bass that they're actually, no, it's a duo, duo bait. So the duo realis Shinmushi cicada bug. It's literally a cicada lure. It looks like a cicada. I think that um, one was like the one that was sold out like crazy last year, right? Yeah, it was, it was, you couldn't find them anywhere. I have a couple of them down in the basement. But again, mm -hmm. they got to be they got to be thrown on light tackle as well because they're relatively light. Yeah. Um, so those those would would probably do really well. Um, there's it's interesting you said the spotted lanternfly because I see those everywhere. So I wonder what, what what's out there that looks like a spotted lanternfly. Honestly, if you just got something that looked like a cicada, mm -hmm. it's probably going to be this. It, it's not so much. I don't think it's so much a color color. Okay. As much as it's the profile. Gotcha. Um. So the make the one mega bass that I was thinking of is called the Grand Siglet. It's a it's a real tiny little topwater, has like some some clear wings on it. That one would probably do well. Um, outside of that, you're looking at like you know you're looking at like specialty fly lures, you know. But mm -hmm. then like again, you have to find a way. Like okay, how? Am I going to throw this with, you know, to get it far enough away to, you know, to attack these fish in, in real shallow or clear water? You know, you have to consider that, too. So, um, you know, the ones that I that I just pulled up here, the head and tiny torpedo, you know, it's a quarter ounce, one point seven or one and seven eighth inches. Um you know, they got a couple different options for that. They got clear, they got blue shiner, black shiner, baby bass, G finish shad. I I mean, I personally don't think you need anything other than like a, a black or a green belly. Mm -hmm. So if you got something like that black shiner, I think that would work really well. Gotcha. Um, the duo realis baits like they got a bunch of crazy colors for that but again you know just something that's got a a, a dark underbelly i think would would do fine for that 
and then the mega bass ones you know they're a quarter inch they're you know they have a a little couple more color options but um you know that's that's i think the three the three main ones that i think would would work really well outside of that evergreen gizmo gotcha Um, but that's like i said that's a one-tenth ounce jig Mm -hmm. you know it's a it's a floating jig that's one-tenth ounce and it literally like when you look at it it looks exactly like a dragonfly. It doesn't really look like a cicada, which is what I think they are trying to imitate with that. It looks much more like a dragonfly than it does a cicada. Hmm. And well, it sounds like it would work for me because I, I have seen a crap ton of dragonflies. So, so I'm definitely going to check that out. I, I was, I was going to tell you, I was really bummed. The, I started off Saturday morning up there throwing a, uh, oh, my Rico popper. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure I lost it to a muskie because I was pop, pop, pop. And then I saw a splash and then it was just, whoop, there goes my line. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, the, 20, 20 bucks right there. Gone. You know, it's, it's funny. The, the muskie in the river have been really, really active lately really really active um and it's not good for them to be active right now <laughs> because when you catch them a lot of people that catch musky right now don't know how to handle them handle mm-hmm. them take care of them like they're not a good they're a fun fish they're strong like you think like this fish got a lot of teeth and it's angry and hateful but like you take them out of water and they're little babies like <laughs> you know they you got to keep them in the water and you got to make sure you get them released quick Right. Um, when you catch them in the hot water with this heat, like they just don't do well. There's a lot of delayed mortality mm-hmm. with those fish right now. But and um, I actually heard quite a few people who caught them. Um, you know, I know was, the two guys I was with, uh, uh, one guy caught two. And um, I know just through my Facebook postings that I've seen um, a bunch of people fishing the, you know, that tournament caught them. So, yeah, ton of, a ton of muskie were caught this this past weekend. Um, I have a good buddy of mine who was fishing. He was night fishing down at city Island. And I think he caught three of them down there. Wow. And wow. a couple of them were really big. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's, you know, they're, they're a fun fish, but I like to catch them in the spring or in the fall. Not, mm-hmm. not <laughs> in the summer. Right. Right. No, I hear you. Cool, man. Um, all right. Uh, anything else that you want to share that you think would be good for the listeners to know about um, fishing the kind of water you did? I know I was going to say too. Um, I I was looking for. Uh, I once. I eventually we figured out um, the guys that I was floating with that we were doing better anytime we happened upon deeper water. We just didn't find much of it. Um, we spent a lot of time going through the one to two foot looking for anything deeper. And, you know, the few places that we did find it, we caught fish, you know, so, but we just didn't you, find much of it. I'll tell you something that I learned from Jeff, you know, fishing, fishing with Jeff Little is, is an incredible opportunity that I have that I get to do very often. Um, but learning, you know, the, what these fish do in the summertime when it gets low and clear like this is they don't have to be anywhere, Right. They don't have to be in shallow water. They don't have to be in deep water. They don't have to be in current protected water. They can be anywhere, anywhere. So typically what they'll do is they'll find a pool of water that has a little bit of everything and they'll rotate in that pool of water doing things that they do, right? And there's only a couple spots in that pool of water that, they're, that they go there to eat. Other places they go there to relax. You know, they'll be sitting on the bottom in front in some push water and of a boulder in deep, you know, deep water. Mm-hmm. Those fish are probably not looking to eat. Mm-hmm. They're looking to eat whenever they come to the top end of the pool, the where it starts to, you know, where it goes from shallow to deep and then comes back shallow. Like they'll move up into that top end of that pool and to the 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 shallow water coming down. And that that's where they'll be ready to eat. The best advice I can give to people when it's low and clear and, and, you know, you find a deep pool of water 
is just sit there and wait and then pay attention while you're waiting. Like don't, don't just sit there and wait aimlessly, sit there and watch. Where's their water activity? Where are you seeing surface activity? Where are you seeing fish that, you know, Oh, Hey, look, there's these three fish that just appeared and you can see them, but they're not there forever. They, then they leave again. That spot is where they're probably is their eat spot. And it might take a while, but when you learn that, when you, when you apply that, um, you know, you're going to be more successful more often. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, actually remember having Jeff on and him saying just that and almost saying that you were one of the hardest people he had to teach that to you. <laughs> <laughs> Spot on. Uh, I do not like to fish slow. Um, I am a power fisherman to the max. And that's, that's kind of one of the reasons why I looked for the type of area that I look for in the tournament because I wanted to fish my strength. Mm-hmm. And my strength is power fishing and, and it's hard to power fish a, a bug or a Senko or anything else like that. Like it, you know, I looked for areas that I could do what I was comfortable with. And, you know, that meant finding bait in the right kind of water. And then whenever I found it, I just, I just did what I like to do and what I'm good at mm-hmm. did it over and over and over. And I literally do like, I'm going to tell you that, I caught all of my keeper fish off of four spots. Four spots. Okay. Four different spots that I rotated between the two days. Gotcha. And on, day, on day two, one of my spots was blown out. So, um, like I had, I had three spots on day two that I rotated between, and I just kept rotating between those three spots because they were eat spots. Gotcha. You know, they were, they were absolutely eat spots. There was one spot that I literally caught fish, I think, on five, five casts consecutive because they were there and they were eating. Mm-hmm. Once they left, they were gone, and you weren't going to mm-hmm. catch anything there. But when they came back, you were going to catch them there. I caught them, I caught them there later, but they were small. Like, it, it's, it's just finding that eat spot. You find that gotcha. eat spot, and you're going to catch them. Well, I know um, we we made the mistake of thinking the where uh, some of the spots that we were going to wouldn't have people. I saw people everywhere I went, and <laughs> uh, just people upon people. It was like I kind of started uh, fishing a lot slower. I, I kind of slowed down, and I it was like a a highway going past me. You know, just one person after the next, after the next, after the next, just coming down through. So I'm going to I'm going to elaborate a little bit to where I was right now and I'm going to say that you know the northern sections of this river from Sunbury to you know Fort Hunter honestly from Sunbury to Harrisburg got beat to death. I mean beat to death. I could not believe the amount of people I saw go past me. I yeah. remember when when we put in on Saturday morning we're like, "Oh, look, you know, nobody's at this launch, you know." Maybe we picked a good spot. Maybe we'll have the river to ourselves. You no, know, we started seeing headlights up the shore, uh, headlamps, and I was like, "There's people up there." And then as soon as like it was time go time, it was like a parade. Just yeah, yeah, and, and you know, it's that's 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 a tough deal, and that's that's why I opted to go south. Gotcha. Um, you know, I almost damn near at the boundary. Okay, um, and that's funny because I drove past that every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's man, there's there's good fish all up and down this river. Mm-hmm. There's not a stretch of this river that I don't think could could that a tournament could be won in. I think the Dagon tournament could be won on largemouth if you got the right guy flipping grass down in Goldsboro. Yep. You know, so it, it's there's not a there's not a location in that was within the Hobie BOS boundaries that was bad. This fish has good fish, or this river has good fish in it, all up and down it, and they and it can be won at any stretch. Um, you know, to be honest with you, you know what Nolan and you or what Nolan and Ewing both did was pretty daggone amazing, putting up that quality limits out of the you know similar spots two days in a row. If you look at all the tournaments that have recent recently happened on the Susquehanna and Juniata. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, it's been that 91 to 93 inches have won all the one day tournaments. Right. Well, you know, they did that two days in a row. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having 185 inches, I thought 185 inches would win. Like I thought 185 would win, but I just didn't calculate in the fact that, you know, Nolan and Ewing are just that good, <laughs> you know? So that to, to put up back to back days of that is, is pretty crazy. Yeah. It's, you know, what they did was pretty special. Um, you know, I talked to actually talked to Nolan about that last night and, and congratulated him and, you know, told him like, man, what you did was impressive. Um, this river is, it's, it's good for in the summertime, it's good for the 90 to 93 inches every day. Um, you know, when there's a tournament, but to, most people can't do it two days in a row. Right. So, right. all right, man, well, we are getting on near an hour. So I wanted to give you a chance to, um, just, uh, shout out any sponsors that you have and just let folks where, know where they can find you. I know your, your YouTube channel, I'm sure got about 80 gazillion hits come uh, before this tournament started. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I, had, I had a lot of views for before the tournament. Um, you know, I, uh, the YouTube channel just search Jake Harshman and, and that, you know, that'll come up as far as uh, social media goes. It's, it's Instagram and, and mostly that's it. Uh, PA.kayakbassin on Instagram um sponsors wise you know i'm with torquito been with them for a few years now love them to death they take good care of me uh innovative sportsman trey leach i was lucky enough to get to meet him in person uh, up there I, I had had him on maybe a month or so ago uh maybe actually probably a little more than a month but uh it was cool to get to meet him up there too and jeff yeah, yeah. So. trey's a real good dude he's um you know he's one of my best best friends and, and, you know, huge supporter, um, yak attack. I'm, you know, I use all their stuff and temple fork outfitter rods. Um, all my rods are TFO and, you know, that's, uh, Oh, Wildwear America. That's my jerseys. Um, Manda makes all my jerseys. She's with, and she's got some of the most comfortable stuff. Like <laughs> it's, you know, I, I would rather wear her stuff than, than, than like AFCO and this other stuff. Like, you know, she makes custom stuff at the same price that you can buy a single Af- AFCO shirt. So, you know, she she's good to me. Those those are the people that support me. Um, you know, it's they're 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 all good to me and I don't have any any desire to to change any of that. Awesome. All right, man. Well, um, again, thanks so much for coming on, um, especially on your wife's birthday. Uh, tell her we said happy birthday and uh, I will I'll let you uh, go let that dinner settle. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be asleep here in like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, again, thanks so much for the info and um, good luck. Uh, what, what do you got coming up next? You know, um, well, I think I have an MAKBF, a tour- MAKBF tournament in Virginia. And then in September, we got another tournament on the river with MAKBF. It's going to be in the Goldsboro to uh, Harrisburg, but nothing above the 83 bridge. Um, And a couple DPS events that I may or may not be able to fish because of work scheduling. But um, and then, of course, the the TOC. Oh, and the, the native event, the October 8th Big Bass Power Hour. That's going to be fun. That's MLF format. They're paying out big bass every hour. Oh, that's right. I do remember hearing about yeah. that. Now that you said that, that I, that one's going to be fun. And I think the entry fee is only like a hundred bucks or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, it, that like, I think if they get over a hundred anglers, it's going to be a thousand dollars every hour. Yeah. I remember hearing that and I was like, Holy cow. Yeah. And that really is kind of a, you know, you can, you know, walk away easy. You know, you, it, all it takes is one fish. Yeah. I mean, imagine if you won multiple hours. Yeah. Holy cow. So, you know, that would be, a, you might catch two fish all day, but if they're both 20 inch fish, don't catch them in the same hour. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right, man. Well, thanks again so much for coming on and, um, Looking forward to have you on again, and uh, we'll pick your brain some more. So I appreciate it every time. You've got tons of good information. Yeah, no problem, man. 
All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in. Um, this has been the Bass Fishing for News, where we bring you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. You guys have a good night. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Fin. Be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin. Don't forget to check out the website paddleandfin.com. Catch us on YouTube. If you got a question, comment, or want to see a future guest on the show, be sure to email us at paddleandfin at gmail.com. Shout out to our show supporters, Yak Gadget. You can check out all the fine kayak accessories at yakgadget.com. Pelican Professional. For all your cases, coolers, and lighting needs, go to pelican.com. Rocktown Adventures, your Midwest premier paddle sports destination. Go to rocktownadventures.com. Eastport Marina, the beautiful destination on Dale Hollow Lake. If you're looking for lodging, kayaks, kayak accessories, or anything fishing related on the beautiful Dale Hollow Lake, go to eastport.info. Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and fill your tackle boxes today.